Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Produce Buzzers Podcast. We are so happy you have joined us today, and I think you will be too after the show is over, because you will learn a lot about fresh fruits and vegetables, how to select and store them, how to prepare and cook them, and surprising facts about their history and origin. We hope it inspires you to eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, not only for your health, but also for your delight and pleasure as you explore their amazing world of taste and delicious flavors. Eating more of them will transform your life in so many positive ways. So settle back, relax, and get ready for another delicious adventure with the Produce Buzzers. Produce Buzzers podcast fans, and welcome to another delicious episode of the Produce Buzzers podcast. I'm Edwin Stepp, your host and executive editor of ProduceBuzz.com. I'm joined once again by Teresa Nolan, the founder and president of Produce Buzz, along with Rick Stepp and Cynthia Benedetto, both contributing editors to Produce Buzz. Fruit and veggie fans, we have a very special guest on the show today. A woman who has been making a great impact in getting more people to eat fresh fruits and vegetables through her wonderfully creative content on her website, The Produce Moms. Lori Taylor joins us today. She is the founder and CEO of The Produce Moms, a global community and certified B corporation that is on a mission to put more fruits and vegetables on every table. Lori sold fresh produce to grocery retailers for 10 years and often appears in the media as a cook and produce industry expert. Her media appearances always include innovative and inspiring ways to prepare and eat fresh produce. The Produce Moms website features hundreds of recipes and educational content authored by Lori. Her content has been featured by Oprah, Martha Stewart, GQ Magazine, Real Simple Magazine, Huff Post, Stylecaster, and more. The Produce Moms also have branded fruits and vegetables that you can buy at Walmart, Target, Whole Foods, Kroger, Safeway, Albertsons, and other grocery retailers throughout the United States. And Lori is the host of her own podcast. Guess what it's called? The Produce Moms Podcast. A seasoned keynote speaker, Lori uh, is, has been a recipient of many accolades, including the inaugural Forbes Next 1000 Initiative, which spotlights startup entrepreneurs that are changing the world through influence and innovation. Lori serves on the board and advisory councils to Global Women Fresh, Equitable Food Initiative, International Fresh Produce Association, and Indianapolis Public Schools. She often speaks with school officials and lawmakers to support public policy to increase the availability of fresh produce in the USDA school meals and other child nutrition programs. So she's not only a mom pushing produce to her own children, she's helping other moms get fresh produce on their children's plates. Lori lives in Indianapolis, Indiana, with her husband, two sons, and their great Dane. Welcome, Lori, <laughs> to the podcast. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. We're excited to have you on and eager to Thank hear you what you Thank you for having me, Edwin. Thanks us. for the warm introduction and welcome. Um, and you're right. Anyone who has a great Dane, like it's this weird club where it's part of our bio and it's like this grand connector that keeps us all together. He is my baby. I love him so much. His name's yeah. Duke. Uh, oh. Named after Marmaduke. <laughs> um, but, 
Anyway, yeah. so it's great to be here and uh, thank you all for what you do. I always say this with what we do at the Produce Moms, it's going to take a lot of voices and a lot of a lot of passionate people to change consumption behaviors and really swing that pendulum and make fruits and vegetables something that the world wants to eat, not something that, you know, people feel like they have to eat. Yeah. Um, and so that's, it's, it's always a joy to connect with like-minded people that are working towards the same mission and with the same passion. Right. It is, uh, it, it, you know, it, some of our friends think we're odd when we start talking about fresh produce and, and how passionate we can get, but it's great to meet others who share that. And, and you've been doing such stellar work for, for the past, few years past decade at least I think and uh, really has made an impact I think but tell us about your background and how you connected to the produce industry did you grow up in it or did you just no kind of not at all actually I studied Spanish in college lived in Mexico lived in Cuba for my immersion you know portions of my of my degree and came back to Indy, I worked really hard to learn a second, second language. Um, and I was like, gosh, what am I going to do with this degree? And so for one year I taught high school Spanish and I liked it, but I didn't love it. And if you don't love it, you should not be, you know, teaching is one of those careers where it's very passion driven. And beyond that, I, I kind of felt like I was losing my language skills because I was teaching, um, such an introductory level of Spanish, um, I, I wasn't able to use the language at the level I was hoping. Um, and so with that, I started looking for jobs in Indy where I could speak Spanish or where I thought I could use my second language skills. I had a job offer. We already talked pre-show about how much I enjoy basketball. So um, <laughs> I had a job offer on the table and anyone from the produce industry who's tuning in, you're going to love this. Um, my, my reasoning for choosing produce, but my offer was from the Indiana Pacers Oh. an Indianapolis fruit company uh. and Indianapolis fruit company had just started an initiative uh, that they were calling Hispanic market sales because at the time when I was looking for the job, it was 2005 and uh, there was this real influx in Indianapolis of bodega style markets, you know, these little Mexican grocery stores um, and almost all of them were driving up to Chicago to get their produce from the terminal market. None of them were sourcing it locally. Um, and when you walk into those stores, it, they don't have a huge mix of fruits and vegetables, but we're talking about a tiny store with a, you know, like a 12 foot produce case, but they can sell two pallets of Roma tomatoes on a Saturday, you know? Wow. And so there's a lot of opportunity with that demographic and that, that type of of retailer. And so they were, they were looking for people with the language skills to essentially start that entire division at their company. Wow. They had hired one gentleman where Spanish was his first language and English was his second. And they were looking for a complimentary person. Uh, he was going to do the outside sales and they were looking for someone who could be internal. That was, um, English, first language, Spanish, second language. So I fit the bill perfectly. And, um, Mike Mascari, great man, um, gosh, so much respect for him. He's now retired, which he so deserves, but, um, he pretty much hired me on the spot and I was like, ah, well, I've got a offer from the Indiana Pacers too, you know, <laughs> so I just got to figure this out. And so I thought about it for a couple of days and I chose produce because, I did not want to work nights and weekends at, for the NBA. 
So, oh, that was I surprised good. at how our industry never sleeps? But yeah. that's, that's um, so instead, you chose to work day in and day out. Then, that's right? right. I had no idea what I was getting into. And then I also had no idea how I was getting into this weird thing where like it becomes part of your soul. You know, I mean, I wasn't even really making that much money. Um, and that kind of leads to how I, how, how I transitioned from sales to marketing when I, when my husband and I had our children, um, which was, you know, our, our kids came shortly after our, our marriage. So we were young. I mean, I was probably within my first four years of employment at Indie Fruit. I went from single to engaged to married to mom of two kids. Um, and I was fun fact. I was the very first maternity leave that they ever had at Indie Fruit because there was <laughs> no women in that office. Uh, so they learned a lot. I learned a lot too with them. And, um, but I, when, when we had our second son, Mac, you know, we're at this point, we're paying for two kids in daycare and I don't even think I was making $40,000 a year, um, working as everyone knows, like. I'm on call as if I'm a cardiologist doing life-saving heart surgeries. And well, you were to a degree, you know, selling sort of, maybe I was like, yeah, I, maybe, I don't know. Um, but I, uh, I just, I just could not make it. I could not justify it any longer because we were literally, when we sat down and did our family budgeting, I was like, Oh my God, I'm like, I'm breaking, even if not losing money going to work with the expensive wow. daycare transportation, you know, professional attire, all that, you know? And so then I was, my husband knew that I was, I worked really hard, obviously, to learn that language skill that I, I found this job that I loved where I was able to use it. And not only that, like, I love the industry, you know, you don't, you, you don't stay with it. If you don't love it, you get out as quickly as you can, if you don't have the passion. So we agreed one month, figure it out, you know, cause in Indianapolis, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to stay in fresh produce. Like if I'm going to stay in this environment, I want to be here at Indie Fruit. Like I really thought I was going to retire right there in my cubicle on Mass Avenue on the near east side of Indianapolis at Indianapolis <laughs> Fruit Company. Like that is what I thought I was going to do with my life. And, um, so I got word that the marketing manager, was leaving um, Indie Fruit for an opportunity in Wisconsin. And so I made an appointment with my boss, John Cunningham, and he thought that the appointment was for me to put in my two week notice and tell him like, I'm just gonna be a mom. You know, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I can't do it. And um, I, it was really unconducive to a young mom. I mean, we had that procurement meeting start at 7 a.m. Like I couldn't even drop my kids off at daycare until 7 a.m., you know? So I was oh. already, like facing a lot of scrutiny within the office. A lot of these men, like they didn't, they didn't understand, you know, I was kind of this odd woman out. I was the youngest one, the only female. And then, oh my gosh, when I had to, you know, leave my desk to go uh, use my breast pump because I was breastfeeding my children and they, you know, they could take 25 cigarette breaks a day, but like you would have thought the world stopped spinning when Lori had to leave for 15 minutes. Um, so like I said, it ended up being something where we all learned a lot um, together. And when I made that appointment with John, he was very surprised when I said, Hey, I want to be the, um, marketing manager. I hear Shayna's leaving. And 
his first answer to me was, well, you're just not qualified. And I was 30 years old at the time. I had two young kids and dollar for dollar compared to all the other people in the sales office, I was selling the least amount of produce day after day, week after week, month after month at Indie Fruit. I mean, but you got to think I was taking care of like these bodega accounts and juice account, juice bar accounts. Like they didn't give me Kroger or, or uh, you know, Syndex or any of these bigger, larger format accounts, unless of course someone got in a fight with them, then they ended up on my plate. It was like, this either works or I'm a stay at home mom. You know, this was kind of the first time in my life I stood up for myself. So John tells me I'm not qualified to be marketing manager. And so I just look at him and I say it direct, but also, you know, like not rude. And I said, well, John, okay. What qualifies you to be marketing director? And he didn't really have much to say. And he was just kind of looking at me. And I know I pissed him off when I said that. But you had um, nothing to lose, really. I have <laughs> nothing to lose. I mean, You're they're going to continue to lose money coming to this job, or he's going to maybe hear me out. And right. thankfully, he, he-, he heard me out. And I said to him, I go, look, I go, I am 30 years old. I have two young kids, one that's still in like soft foods. I you know what you pay me. Every single purchase I make is a result of marketing because I don't have money where I can spend freely. And I said, not only am I like the number one shopper that our industry is trying to connect with, like every industry for the most part is trying to connect with this shopper avatar. And um, he just kind of took like, you know, that kind of made him quiet. And I was like, Seriously, John, when was the last time you went grocery shopping with two kids in the cart who want to eat cookies and you want them to eat broccoli? Like, give me a chance. I know how to do That's this. And story. my assertiveness is really coming out. And I'm like, I am not only the most qualified person in this building for to be the marketing manager. I took it as far as to say, I'm the most qualified person in the state of Indiana to, <laughs> to be the marketing manager at Indie Fruit. And so with that, like he, you know, and truthfully, as my story evolves and, you know, we'll share some of it here on this show, but those, the, the, the male leadership at Indie Fruit did nothing but empowered me from day one, you know, and that was really the first moment of empowerment when John, like, you know, he kind of took a step back, looked beyond that, you know, sales tracking sheet where I literally was in last place every single day of my career there. Um, And he was like, you know what, you're right. Like you would be a great candidate to be marketing manager. And I'm going to recommend you to the executive team. And that's how the meeting ended. And then within two weeks, I got the job and they made that announcement. And that meant that I moved from the cubicle to like an office within the building. And then also there was a pay increase. And so with that pay increase that brought my family and I that financial freedom where I could, didn't have to worry so much about losing money, going to work, or at least not profiting, going to work. The first thing I ever built in a business realm was the Hispanic division sales. I had a great time, you know, leaning into my passion for the, for the, language and the Hispanic and Latino culture and, and growing that division of the company, which still exists today, which I'm so proud of. They still have that sales division at Indie Fruit. And we, we develop specs where they're even still one of the, they still even supply like Kroger Shelbyville warehouse with some of their like jalapenos and some other things like literally forged during that time when Carlos and I were building that division of the company. So when I look back on how I, where I'm at today, 
you know, the first time I built something in that entrepreneurial fashion where you have nothing, you're trying to start something. That was the Hispanic sales division at Indie Fruit. The first time I had to stand up for myself was when I fought for my qualifications to even be marketing manager. Um, and then it was like school of hard knocks. I had to, I was going a lot off instincts. I actually knew nothing about marketing. I studied liberal arts in college. I remember being in these meetings with the other management team and they would say things like when I look back on my notes and when I think about how I felt like I did not know what ROI meant. And I remember writing that down with like a question mark on my notebook. And then like some of these other terms were being thrown around, like a lot of stuff about like PNL and budgeting and, you know, stuff that when you're, when you're managerial classing up, you have privy to, you know, I didn't have privilege to that when I was sitting in the cubicle being an order taker. Um, so I, I actually went back to school and took a marketing 101 class, um, used some of that extra income to pay for it. So I would feel like I was confident enough to actually contribute in these meetings because all I was doing was just like writing stuff down that I didn't know what it meant with big question marks after it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to get smarter or they're going to fire me. <laughs> and um, so I did, I went back to school and took just that one class just so I could talk the language um, that um, all of these other, you know, leaders who frankly were all old enough to be my father. Most of them had family ties to the business. Um, so I was, I was, I already felt like the odd person out and I didn't want to feel like the odd person out due to my acumen as well. So um, I, I share that because anyone who's listening, like it's, you should always invest in your education. Like I'm a huge believer in eternal learning. Don't let your, don't let your education um, and your quest for knowledge end when you graduate. That's a great story uh, yeah. in so many ways. I have three daughters Yeah. and I'm going to relate that story of how you stood up for yourself and, yes. uh, you know, were I mean, assertive in the right way. If you don't, who's going to, right? Yeah, exactly. In the right way. It's a great, inspiring story there. And then, you know, I can kind of see the beginnings of the produce moms mm -hmm. <laughs> or the produce mom, That's which how is how you started yeah. and you later became the produce mom. Tell us about that. Tell us about the beginning of produce mom and um, how it yeah, became so it plural. launched in 2012. Um, and this is like my favorite thing in the world to talk about. So you'll have to cut me <laughs> off if you like, or scoop me along. So it was 2012, first yeah. of all. Okay. There wasn't a whole lot of like marketing as I was consuming it. I mean, I was a, I was, I was, a, I'm a millennial mom, you know, so I was always consuming my marketing at that point digitally and yeah. I'm the marketing manager. And literally part of my job was we would get these sales sheets from people like Sunkist or, you know, other vendors and they would talk about the citrus fruit. And, and then my job was to add the indie fruit logo to that sales sheet, go down in the basement, run the laminator, put it in these POS packages, and then put them in the, in the mail slots for the drivers to take on their routes. And mm -hmm. I'm like, Ey. I was a intern at the Heartland Film Festival when I was in college and I was doing more compelling marketing as an intern. <laughs> and so I, between my like you know, I wasn't really confident in my, in my education. And then I'm like, if I was in charge of this place, I would totally get rid of the marketing department. You know, that's kind of what I thought every day when I came to work. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> that's not a good place to be. If you're an employee and you're like, I'd fire me, you know, I wouldn't just fire me. I'd get rid of the whole department that, that you're managing. But, um, 
So I knew I had to come up with something, you know, I was like, this, this isn't going to cut it. Like they're, they're wasting money on me right now. And they're wasting everyone's time doing this cutting and pasting of logos and laminating. And, um, and so that's when I really dove into how is our industry telling their story? And I, 2012 is, uh, kind of like what today is with podcasting 2012 was with blogging and, Mm -hmm. There was no real blogs in the produce industry. I mean, there were a few that were out there, but they were very, like, they almost read like Wikipedia reads, you know, they were very like stale. Um, and, or they had this voice that the majority of people cannot connect with, um, you know, like they were from the voice of, um, you know, the health end of our industry. Like I'm, I, I, I love that our food is the healthiest food that you can put in your body, but I really don't think that the average American needs another person telling them that fruits and vegetables are the healthy choice. I really Eat your just, veggies. Eat your I, veggies. Don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think it's moving the needle. I don't think it's what's inspiring people. And as a 30 year old mom, where like some nights I just want to eat Cheetos and like some mornings, my jeans don't fit. I'm like, the last thing I need is someone online telling me to like who you know eat more fruits and vegetables like I don't need another voice of authority here you know I just want to have an enjoyable experience with my food get my kids excited about you know fruits and vegetables and like curb the cravings myself and live a healthier life myself um but I don't need to do it with a doctor or a dietitian or you know another voice of authority is how I was thinking and so that that sentiment um, really was foundational and how we put this all together. I remember when I bought the domain, um, I, I actually was originally, I originally wanted this business to just be produce mom. Like there was no the, Mm. but the domain was claimed. We now own the domain, but at the time in 2012, it was claimed. I was like, shoot, what am I going to call this thing? That's the perfect name. And I mentioned early in our pre-show conversations, I went to IU. And so I just was like, well, Ohio State's super annoying. And they call right. themselves the Ohio State <laughs> University. State, yeah. um, but it's unforgettable. Like, <laughs> right. yes, you know, if you, you know, like to the point where people just know, like if you say Ohio State, it's like, oh, you mean the Ohio the, State. Yeah. Yes. And so I was like, okay, I can add the article, the, and I guarantee you the domain is available and I guarantee you it's cheaper too. And right. it was, it was available. It was $5.99 on GoDaddy. So I bought it and then I just sat on it because I didn't know how to pitch anything to my bosses. All of my bosses had kids my age. They all, you know, they were like all, I perceived most of them as like smarter than me. You know, they were, you know, they, they're very involved in the family business. And I was like, I, I just, I don't know how to do that. But really what I was doing in that, in that quiet time at night, like after I bought that domain, I was mapping out an entire business plan, not even knowing it. You know, I was doing all this market research. I was identifying the fact that like, there's nothing out there that talks about fruits and vegetables in a friendly tone. Everything that you can find in the produce department talks about the brands in the produce department. I learned those lessons from the retailers really. Um, and also from my, from my, you know, job at the warehouse doing cycle counts and everything. You see all these different brands. I'm like, I didn't even know that different brands of honeydew existed, but I knew when I was trying to sell honeydew to Ledoux market and, uh, you know, in one of the wealthiest areas of St. Louis, if I didn't send him King of the West honeydew grown by Turlock fruit company, he didn't want honeydew. And so I'm like, okay, like I got to learn more about this stuff. And so that's, that's, it's all like this whole journey at Indie Fruit is so, so 
just the, the foundation upon which it was all built. It was a Friday afternoon. The consultant was in the office. He called me to the corner office, Mike Mascari's office. And in that office, when I got in there, it was the consultant, Mike Mascari, who's at the time was president of the company, Dan Casaro, who's vice president, um, EVP of sales marketing and boss Cunningham, who was director of sales and marketing. And so I walked in, I was like, oh my God, they finally figured it out. They are getting rid of the marketing department and this, they're firing me right now is what I was thinking. And um, instead, I, and maybe they were going to fire me. I don't know, but they, the, the consultant was fielding the questions. It felt very much like that um, movie with the stapler office space. And, um, you know, it's all coming from the consultant. He's like, Lori, how are you liking your job? I'm like, oh, I love it really deep down. I was like, you know, you should get rid of everything I'm doing. It's not necessary. And then, and then they were like, well, do you have any ideas for our 2012 marketing program? So they totally opened the door for me. And I was in this desperate spot where I thought if I don't unleash the idea I have and everything that I've like been sitting on for literally at this point, I'd been sitting on it for about three months. And, um, I was like, yes, yes, I do actually have an idea. I bought a domain and I think we should start a blog and we could call it the produce mom and I'd be willing to author it. And it could be loosely based off my life as a mom and a produce industry professional, but I think we could, you know, really talk about the brands in this warehouse and probably even make money off of it. They were just crickets, you know? (laughs) And so Danny was the first one to talk and he said, well, what's a blog? And, (laughs) And I said, well, it's like a website, but it reads more friendly as if it were like an email from a friend and it's very informative. And it's usually meant to be something where if you want to learn something about any topic, you can find a blog, um, that can provide you with that information. And so that at that point, they told me, okay, go back to your cubicle and write a blog. Like they didn't know what they were evaluating. And so I went back to my cubicle, took me about 15 minutes. It's still published on the website today. It's called who is the produce mom. And I wrote that in 15 minutes at my cubicle on a day when I thought like, if this doesn't go, I'm totally getting fired. And if it goes, then maybe like, you know, I'll be doing some real marketing, you know? And, um, when I brought it back, I printed off enough copies for all of them to have one and they all read it. And, you know, I was totally watching their facial expressions and body language. And it was pretty positive from all of them. You know, it was reading, it was a lighthearted kind of funny, um, set the tone for what could be a bigger series of blogs. And, um, the first person that spoke was John Cunningham and he put the paper down. I said, I love it. (laughs) And, uh, and so then Danny spoke again, he's like, well, how much does it cost? I said, well, I already bought the domain for $5 and 99 cents and I'd be willing to transfer it to the company without a charge. And so, you know, just my time, because we could use a free WordPress template to get things started. And, and they so, go, what's WordPress? Yeah. Well, and I mean, they didn't care at that point. Yeah. They heard the word free, their favorite F word. Oh, right. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, they, and so we, I got the permission to start and I had their full support for the first three years that the producemom.com existed online. And then mm. It was April of 2015. Um, so, you know, it launched in January, 2012, all the way until April, 2015. And, and it, it did, I mean, trust me, if it didn't monetize, if it wasn't bringing an income, they would have killed it a long time before they did. Um, we were able to 
we were able to work with vendors um, in exchange for either ad, you know, ad purchase, you know, privilege purchase prices, um, you know, like an ad buy, but we didn't, they would give us premium pricing, um, so to say, uh, or they would actually just pay cash in exchange for exposure on the producemom.com. It was a marketing spend for them. And I'm undoubtedly certain that the the initial growth and interest from the vendor community came because this blog is backed by a warehouse that represents hundreds of millions of dollars of POs. I'm not I'm, you know, savvy enough business person to know that that is why the produce mom was initially very appealing to our industry. Yeah. Uh, because you got to think when I started this thing, the, the majority of the audience, it was like me, my friends, my mom, her friends, maybe a few people from Indie Fruit. And that was about it. Like we were regional at best. Well, the first campaign we did where we actually were working with a with a vendor that was putting some resources behind the data um, was with Oppenheimer. And we were promoting jazz apples. And again, this is content like you can go back in the deep archives of our social media or our blog and you can really you can see it was um, it was a jazz apple photo contest. So we Teresa might have been involved in that. Were you involved? Were you? Teresa? Well, I, I did represent the New Zealand apple growers, but I think I was already uh, not working with Oppenheimer at that point, if it okay. was 2012. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was 2012 or 2013 when we did the jazz app. It was probably 2012. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. 2012. It was the very first campaign we did. Mm-hmm. And I think we titled it, how do you like them apples or something like I would not use today. <laughs> um, <laughs> It totally flew with the guys at Indie Fruit. They were like, sounds great. Um, But then we, uh, so for every, for to enter the contest, you had to take a photo with like this produce mom's cutout, totally inspired by the, I think it's called Flat Stanley, like the thing that the little preschoolers do. Um, So we, produce mom cutout that we personalized to jazz apples. And then you also, of course, had to buy a jazz apple. And we, it was very grassroots. I mean, I, I don't even know if we had more than a hundred entries, but what Oppenheimer saw was an over 100% increase in sales in the Indianapolis market compared to previous year. Wow. And so that's when they were like, huh, you know, this is, this is something this is worth. And so we were able to then use that as a case study, so to say, um, for other, for other, uh, partners. And, and for a lot of these folks, we weren't talking about huge investments at the time. Sometimes it was like buy the hundred dollar visa gift card that we could give away and, and drop indie fruit a bone, either in pricing or, you know, pay thousand, two thousand $2,000 for the, for the marketing investment. And that came back to them when they had that kind of influx in sales, you know? And so, and so it was really great to see it grow 2015, essentially they were done with it. Right. I mean, we weren't really adding capital gains. We were paying my salary, paying the legal fees and the support staff salary, but we weren't making a ton of money for the, you know, corporation. And, um, and it wasn't helping sales much either, or I don't know. I mean, I think that's always it's hard hard to connect industry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like your sales guys want to know how marketing's, you know, driving sales and marketing's like, well, without us, there wouldn't be, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like Mm -hmm. our, that's the never ending debate in our industry is marketing versus sales. And I really think that it's kind of like chicken egg, like 
I mean, come on, we are all smart enough at this point to know that they are complementary, that we do need both of them. And when you consider the way people are consuming their content and learning about their food um, or consuming their information, I should say, and, and learning about their food, um, we have no choice but to market our products and market our industry and do it very well and in on-trend ways. So, um, I, I, you know, I, yeah, they, I'm sure that was part of the argument, you know, but I really, it was, it was a situation where, um, I think in hindsight, I think they were a one making a ton of money. If it was making a ton of money, there no way they would have gotten rid of it. B they shortly after, um, you know, 2015 was when this was all going down shortly thereafter, Indie fruit actually went through a acquisition sale. So, um, they could have been simplifying their portfolio to prepare for that. I don't know, but what I do know is they took me out to eat on a Friday for lunch and told me to bring my computer. So it was another one of those things. I was like, Oh, great. I'm getting fired. You know, um, second time I thought they were firing me. (laughs) Um, I, and I, I'll never forget that lunch. You know, it was Greg Cassaro, who was CFO, Dan Cassaro, who was at that time, my direct boss, he was the EVP of sales and marketing. And I love them both. And I still love them both. Um, and they, it was, I think it was as hard for them as it was for me to hear, to be honest with you. It was just the three of us sitting at a restaurant on Mass Avenue in Indianapolis. And they, and Greg said like, you know, at this point, the produce moms, we had launched a school show with the Colts. Like we had a lot of buzz going on with the brand. And we had a portfolio of about 20 different vendors that were working with us and contracts, um, for marketing. So it was, you know, they could, and they knew how hard I had worked too. I mean, there were so many days where Danny, his wife was one of my mentors. So at least one day a week, I actually worked in her home office and there were so many days I'd still be working at Danny's house when Danny would come home from work and, um, I would still be working in his home office. I mean, they, they saw that I was putting in the work, you know, and Danny and, and Greg, um, it was Greg who talked in that meeting and he said, you know, it's amazing what you've done. And I knew there was a buck coming. I just knew it. (laughs) We are so impressed with what you've done. And he said, however, (laughs) not, but yeah, he said, Indianapolis fruit company is done with the produce mom. (laughs) And I just started crying. I didn't want to cry in front of him. I had to get really tough skin to stay in that yeah. environment for 10 years. And so like, none of them really ever saw me cry. Um, but I just started crying. I couldn't stop the tears because I, and I just, all I could say to them, like the only thing I could muster up to say was, well, where does that leave me? Cause that's my only job. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, well, we're not interested in losing you, you know, but we are not, you know, so Sherry, Sherry's this uh, general counsel. She's, create crafted this document and then they slid this document across the table and I'm like holy crap like this is serious you know because it's like a legal document it basically has path a or path b path a is I stay employed at indie fruit go transition back to sales we sunset the produce moms there was even like the press announcement that cited why we were sunsetting the produce moms and like there's no more like it, it just goes away all right path b is I buy it and it had the price and the price was more than the home that my family and I live in. Wow. And, and so I'm sitting here looking at it, and, you know, and at the time, I mean, I'm, I'm not really making that much money. Um, and, and you paid $5.99 for it. Yeah. But it's, you know, it was work for hire. I mean, they supported it. I 100%, I 100% credit them for the early success, but yes. 
So long story short, I looked at it and I slid the paper across the table to both of them. And I was like, well, in my exact words, I remember them so vividly. I said, I would be a caged animal going back to the cubicle. I'm buying it. I said, I just don't know how I'm buying it. I need to talk to Chip. Chip's my husband. And then like we left because I was like, I don't want this stupid salad, you know? And I was like, I'm leaving. <laughs> so um, I took my legal document and off I went and Danny walked me to the night car. And he's like, are you okay? I was like, no, I'm not okay. Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and so I, you know, but regardless, I, I came home. I talked over my family. God love them. They supported me. You know, my husband was like, well, yeah, like, why not? And I'm like, well, why not? Because it's like more than the home we live in. Why not? You know? And, and anyway, I, I cashed out my retirement. Um, and then I couldn't get a loan from a bank because, you know, we had a mortgage on our house. We didn't really have a good, um, household income at that point. Um, and so I had to borrow money from family, which is also really like sticky, you know? Um, thankfully I was in a position where my father was able to help me out and, um, him and my mom, you know, worked very hard and lived a pretty humble life to where they could, you know, and, um, he didn't hesitate, which, you know, my dad passed away in 2018 and I, um, so, you know, it's more than, it's more than a job, you know, it's a tribute at this point. And, oh, um, and so I, but I remember that journey, uh, from it was April when I got the legal notice that they were done. And then I had, you know, like seven days to sign my letter of intent. And, and then after I signed my letter of intent to buy, then there was a whole nother round of paperwork and it was like all financial, you know, I could buy it slowly for five years. Um, but during those five years time, like I would have to, they would have access to banking. They would have access to my email, like pretty much everything. I was like, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't even own it, you know? Yeah. And then the other option was I, I have to come up with the money and and I, what I knew was we couldn't afford the price that was on that paper. I knew that in any way I sliced or diced it, like we are not going to be able to do it. We're not going to be able to get that kind of cash from family. And then, you know, we we're going to these, I was having these acquisition meetings and um, that was also really intimidating, but I'm very proud of myself looking back on it. Cause I'd walk into those acquisition meetings and I would be sitting across this table from you know, a handful of people who for a decade were my bosses and my colleagues and my friends. And I'm like fighting for, you know, and I I'm representing the, the work that I did in my cubicle and in my office, you know, and, and, and saying to them, I'm not gonna let this die. Like, I'm going to figure this out. And, um, and I remember I, I got to the point where it was too much for me to do it alone. You know, like this, just the, just the sentiment of like four versus one, you know, yeah. Um, at the table was sort of, sort of like today, four versus one. Okay. <laughs> well, this is this is a totally different vibe. No, but no. yes, <laughs> no, that's that's fantastic. And uh, so I came home and told my husband, I was like, I need you to come. I was like, you don't even have to say a word, but I need you to come because I can't sit across the table from them as a party of one yeah. in for another day. And so he came to the next meeting, and um, and they we have. Chip and I call it the binder of smoke and mirrors. It was the binder of why it costs what it did, you know? And yeah. so uh, yeah. they, we were going through the binder of smoke and mirrors and, uh, and Chip, he out, I'll, I'll never forget this either. He just took that binder and, you know, closed it and then shoved it across the table. He said, what if we pay you cash in 90 days, then what's the price? And I'm sitting uh. here like, you know, I didn't say anything. Cause I'm like, great idea. But like, at the same time, like, where the hell are we getting this cash, you know? And 
<laughs> and so they were like, well, we'll come back to you. Well, that slash slashed the price in half um, where it was, you know, we bought, ended up still paying more for my idea than the home we lived in, but at least it was like just $10,000 more than the home we lived in, you know? And um, so that with that price slashing and that negotiation that my husband came in clutch on, we were able to, by the time I cashed out my 401k um, and then, you know, I was able to borrow the balance from my parents um, and I was able to give them cash in 90 days. Wow. And I will never forget how that felt to walk in there and they, they made me bring a cashier's check and I was like, oh my God, of course. <laughs> and so I... <laughs> But I came in with that. I was so proud. I was like, here's my cashier's check. It's not yeah. going to bounce. Like, you know, here we go. Give me all the IP. And, um, and then off we went. Uh, and I, that was the, that was, gosh, that was August 31st, 2015. And I didn't know what I was in for, you know? Yeah. Um, I knew I had a lot of support. I also knew that if I failed, I was going to be uh, you know, a lot was going to be at risk. Um, granted, I don't think my dad was going to like file small claims court against me or anything like that, but, um, my family needed my income. So if I didn't, if I wasn't contributing to my household, like we would have lost our home, you know? And so I really was fighting for everything I had to keep this thing going and alive and Please. the traffic, the website had at that time in 2015, just to give you a like scope of understanding of where we were versus where we are we now get that traffic, like the annual traffic. And when I took that leap, um, we now get that traffic about every 10 days on yeah. the website. Oh. So um, this is a, yeah. this is a fantastic story. And, and one more, much more personal than I expected. Thank yeah. you yeah. for opening up, but it's so inspiring Thank to you. hear it and what you, how you stuck with it. I love what you said about it now is not just a business or a job. It is a tribute to yeah. your father. And yeah, that was lovely. beautiful. That was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. wow. Uh, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to let you know no, how inspiring thank you. it is. Yeah, and I, a, I appreciate is, you opening up. And I'm doing all the talking, but I know no, this is well, supposed to be a discussion. No, no. <laughs> we want to hear from you. It's, it's a great a, story. It really is. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were the produce mom. You know, yeah. without you, there, I, and I think anything. even still today, without me, there's probably not a brand. I mean, granted, yes. there there is a component of the brand that is lifeless and and non personalized to anyone. But when I go through strategic planning or when we do our annual team meetings, I always put that down on when we do the SWOT analysis. Like I put, you know, me and every single quadrant of the SWAT, you know, because I'm like, that's a, but it really is. A, uh, For our yeah. listeners who may not know it, SWAT, it's uh it's a business uh, analysis tool, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And what uh, Lori yeah. is saying is she's all of those at the British mom. <laughs> Which we, if we were all honest with ourselves, that that's true for each of us and whatever we're doing, but that's a great, yes. that's a great thing. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, so the business, it, I remember in 2014, I was, I just recounted this with my team, you know, we today at the produce moms that we are a team of 14 people, um, behind what we do, which, um, you know, compared to a lot of businesses in this industry, it means like that is so tiny, you know, uh, by the definitions of this nation, that's a tiny, small business, but, 
when you consider where we came from, you know, six figures of acquisition debt, me hustling this industry from a negotiated laptop because I couldn't afford a computer on a borrowed desk from my aunt that I set up in my kid's toy room in our basement because I couldn't afford daycare and just cold calling people all day long, hoping that someone would a take my call and b consider working with the produce moms you know it's i i i when i think back on those early days like that brings tears to my eyes you know that we went from there to where we are today you know um but you know what you are exactly the type of person that most of the produce industry was built upon they were all this the the men that worked 18 hours a day, six or seven days a week. And, you know, when I first started in this industry, a lot of the men did not have formal educations, but they were just smart and they had gumption. And um, you say you, you were like this person who, you know, weren't, weren't a produce person, but you were cut from the same cloth. I, I completely agree with you. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think that's the only reason I'm still in the game. You know, I think it's the only reason my business survived those, those early days of the acquisition. Um, and I, and, and, the, I and those also, guys, those guys recognized the same cloth, I think too. Absolutely. Your story absolutely. about being at mm-hmm. any fruit. It sounded like, wow, you know, she's, she's one of us. So that was totally it took a while, but <laughs> like I said, we grew up, we grew together, you know, we grew, right. we evolved and grew together. But if you didn't say I am the produce mom. If you didn't give him what for like that, I I think that um, that also went to the fact that they knew that you had teeth. Let's get back to the produce mom is where mm-hmm. it was. That must have been a big step for you to now say, I'm not the only mom in this business. I'm going to share it, the spotlight with others. Yeah, that was Tell 2017. About- okay, um, only two years re-brand. after. Yeah, right. we announced it Thanksgiving, actually, Thanksgiving Day 2017. And it was when I was just watching as like all of marketing was kind of shifting towards a more of a community focus. Um, 2017 was the year that Mark Zuckerberg announced Facebook's new mission to be a community centric platform. And, you know, I was like, ah, you know, we got to make sure that people don't view the produce mom as equivalent to Lori Taylor. We got to make sure that people know there's a place here for everyone. You know, the, the trademark slogan of this business is there's a produce mom in all of us. And I wholeheartedly believe that, you know, if you are, if you too want to see more fruits and vegetables on every table, if you yourself want to eat more fruits and vegetables, if you want to see the people you love eat more fruits and vegetables, then you're one of us, you know? Um, And, and so I knew I had to do something. And I actually worked with uh, a a friend um, who's also evolved into a mentor, Karen Nardotza. Um, She is the, she's with Moxie Marketing out of Salinas and and Southeast Florida now is where she's stationed, but Karen, um, she represented Braga Fresh when they launched the Josie's Organics brand. And they were the very first brand partner, Rod Braga, with Karen's, you know, um, suggestion um, or advice. Rod Braga called Indie Fruit, was like, we'd like to work with the produce mom. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they were like, okay, you know, we don't do any business with you. He's like, that's okay. I'm not necessarily interested in, you know, I just want, we want to be part of the produce mom. 
And so they came in as a $25,000 sponsor of the brand and they didn't sell one penny of produce to indie fruit. And, um, and that, and Karen was the visionary behind that because she wanted our influence and support as they launched the Josie's organics brand, great brand, by the way. And Karen told me during that project, she said, if you ever need help with the produce mom, you call me. She's like, I really believe in what you're doing. Like, I want to continue to recommend it to our clients. Um, And I just think that there's so much opportunity here, Lori. She said, well, come out to Selena's because at the time that's where she was stationed. And, um, and so I did, it was there in those, in those orange walls of Moxie marketing (laughs) where Karen and her team were like, I think you just need to add an S. And I was like, really? Yes, you're right. Like just add an S. I thought it was gonna be really simple. Like, yeah, that was the most expensive S. You know, all the the legal (laughs) and yeah, yeah, it was crazy. But so that's where the S came from. That's where the S came from. And (laughs) And, you know, it really was the best decision we ever made. After we added that S, we got our enterprise-wide partnership with Kroger to help support the launch of Kroger Health and the opt-up platform and their food as medicine initiative. Their marketing team told me no way this would be happening if it was one, like the produce mom, Lori Taylor. If you dig into the like PR archives, there is a press announcement quote where it's like, well, the produce moms represents all Kroger shoppers. I was like, oh my gosh, etch it in gold. That is exactly what we were after when we did that rebrand. It was really one of the best things I ever did as an executive was give up that ownership of, you know, the equivalency of my business to myself, you know, and that, and the domain name with the S was still available. (laughs) Yeah. We got lucky. That was like the first (laughs) thing I checked, of course. Um, and, but I, at that time I was already buying, like for the longest time, I was so paranoid. I owned like the produce ant, the produce kid, the produce. <laughs> like, I think I let some of those. Oh, go. that's why I couldn't get it. I yeah, was yeah. If you tried, that's why. Um, but there, there is a, you know, I, I, I definitely was able to add that. And we still maintain, even like if someone e- emails me, Lori at the produce mom.com, like I still get all the, at the produce mom stuff, but yeah. um, yes, it was, I, no, no looking back on that executive decision. That was a good one. I've had right. plenty of bad ones. That was a good one. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to explore the, again, playing off the name, the produce moms, mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of alluded to it earlier. Anybody who's passionate about getting fresh fruits and vegetables on the plate is a produce mom in a sense. And I know your efforts target moms primarily, but in reality, all the information you provide is useful for anyone, moms, dads, yeah. young singles, old singles, old mm-hmm. college students, uh, well, just about anybody who wants to eat healthier. Uh, is most of your community moms or do you get a lot of interaction with others outside that demographic? Yeah, I mean, so the vast majority of our audience is, you know, so I'd have to look at all the stats. So these are estimated stats. Okay. But the vast majority of our audience, like over 60% fall between the ages of 25 and like 45. Okay. Um, and then also uh, like the overwhelming statistic is 70, about 75% of our community has children in the home. Um, now that doesn't mean that we don't have, I mean, we've got, uh, you know, we have we have followers in all the age demographics. We have followers in all the geographic demographics. Um, but I, you know, and also I'm like, you know, I, I've had so many people throw me hate and shade. Like, what about the produce dads? I'm like, what about them? Start, start your own, you know, 
Like I'm, I'm pretty unapologetically passionate about motherhood. So you didn't buy the produce dads. Come on. I did at one point when I was paranoid, I owned it, but I I think I'm pretty sure that was the first one I let go. Um, and I, I'm not anti-dad. I had, I just told you how much my dad meant to me. Um, I'm, I'm married to the best dad. I had the best dad. Um, I believe that fathers have an incredible role in the household, but I also don't think that, you know, and even in a, even in a society where, you know, inclusion and equality is so important, uh, which we are certainly passionate about to the point where we became B Corp certified, but I'm also like, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to say you're, you know what we are, we're community moms. Like we're, I'm a mom. Everyone who works for me is a mom. Uh, we're pretty proud of the fact that we're moms. You know, yeah. that's, that's the number one thing that can, in my opinion, it's the number one characteristic that can unite so many women around the globe is motherhood. Now, that being said, we're not, I'm not naive to the fact that motherhood can be a painful point for people. Um, there's a lot of people who battled to become moms or, or never successfully could. Uh, I had four miscarriages between Joe and Mac. Uh, it was brutal. You know, I hated everything about babies during that time frame. And, and then there's also people like you're dealing with grief or abuse or who knows what, or motherhood could be a pain point for you, you know? And so I, I certainly, as the captain of the ship, I have to be mindful of that, you know, and we, and we've implemented strategies internally, uh, whether it's something as, you know, as simple as like, okay, mother days, mother's day is coming up, you know, like in May, we, we plan out our content for the year. And, you know, at, at the beginning of May, we send an email to our audience and we say, Hey, mother's day is coming up. We're going to do a lot to celebrate mother's day here at the Pro Moms. But if you don't want it to come to your email, just click this button. You know, we understand that you might not be interested in this. And, you know, we had about 500 to 700 people click that button this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we will continue to offer that to our community. I also felt passionate. Like we got to do stuff for like dog moms and we have to do stuff for people who love fruits and vegetables, but have no interest in, you know, and, and the family component of it. So, you know, there's a lot of content on our website, whether it's the dog food recipes or the raw beauty recipes, or, you know, um, even just the informational content, like how to, how to cut a pineapple or a mango, you know, like those that's universal applies in every household. Um, and then of course, if you're interested in baby food stuff, we've got an ebook that's, you know, literally six months of baby food recipes. So we've got you covered there too. That's the beast of media. That's the beast of actually being a community centric brand. You have to think about all those nooks and crannies and while still staying true to who you are, like, I'm not going to change the fact that I'm a woman and a mom, you know, I'm proud of that. But um, I'm also going to be an empathetic enough leader to realize that, that we got to do more than just keep shoving mom in people's faces, you know? Um, so that's how it evolved and how I hope everyone who encounters our brand feels like they have a, they, 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 it feels like it's a beneficial, you know, yeah. beneficial entity in their <laughs> life. I want yeah. our brand to bring joy to every person who encounters it. Right. And that was my point is not that I thought you should change uh your focus or your target at all i think that's a very important target but that when i go to it you know i'm yeah. not a mom i was a dad i am a dad <laughs> yeah uh, they're all grown now so i'm not worried so much about what they're putting on their plate uh, at least i have no influence <laughs> or very little influence <laughs> but you know i love the site from the very first time and i think uh you know i remember 
first reading about you in some of the trade journals, probably in that 2015 time period, the first time. And then we met at a couple of uh, conferences uh, uh, very briefly. So I don't know if you remember, but we did meet a couple. But so I, you know, I became a fan of the site. Uh, Thank you. And your newsletters are fantastic. You know, I, you know, you, you've got a lot of great content there that uh, has been very helpful for me to inspire me to get <laughs> more Thank fresh you. fruits and vegetables. So congratulations on that. I was just curious, you know, how, yeah, you know, it sounds like your audience is diverse, but, it, it, uh, you know, both male and female. And I yeah. think it should be because there's a lot of great info for that. So. But let's talk about those challenges that moms face, especially maybe picky eaters, which I know one of your latest podcast episodes was about that. And, yeah. uh, you know, what are the challenges uh, that are uh, for moms and dads uh, and others putting fresh fruits and veggies on the table? And how, how a, can they overcome them? I think it's a challenge for all of us, right? Like, it's not just right. our kids. When you look at the demo consumption data, 90%, approximately 90% of Americans are not eating the recommended amounts of fruits and vegetables. That includes all ages. Okay. Right. So um, I think I, in this, I come back to like food is so cultural, right? And I've got, at this point, I've got a middle schooler and a high schooler that my children have grown up with the produce moms. So, um, <laughs> but I can tell you right now, like my kids, every year they host the fantasy football draft here at our house. Uh, and if I'm not serving, you know, like pizza or chicken wings, like I, you know, they, they're out of here. So the fantasy football party took place a couple weekends ago here at okay. our house. And I, here's my trick that I always tell people like, don't deprive yourself or your loved ones from these iconic foods that are part of our lives. You know, like when was the last time a bunch of teenagers were gathering around and they were like, let's order salads from Panera. Not <laughs> happening. You know, like these kids want to order pizza, let them order pizza, you know, yeah. let yourself enjoy the pizza or the nachos or whatever it is. But if you can commit to the one simple rule that we kind of say, like, this is our secret sauce at the produce moms. Anytime you're prepping food, anytime you're serving food, make fruits and vegetables the very first thing that you prep and put on the plate. Oh, wow. And and that can be at the micro level, like you're making dinner for your family, or it can be at the macro level where you're entertaining 12, 15 year old boys for a fantasy football draft, you know? Yeah. Um, and if, and I see it time after time where if it's what is available first, it's what is consumed first, you know, is the fresh fruits and veggies. Yeah. And I also have a rule like that I've implemented. I think it's just kind of like a, a walk the talk type of rule. Every time food is served in my house, fruits or vegetables have to be part of it, period. Like, you know, it, it might be, it might be a can of green beans because I'm like totally overwhelmed at night and I don't have a lot of time or a salad kit, or, um, it could be something more elaborate, you know, like a, true fruit buffet or whatever, you know, but I, I always make sure that fruits and vegetables are available. And I always make sure that that's a top priority when I'm menu planning for anything, you know, and I'm not really a meal prepper. I don't really have time for that. Um, yeah. I feel like my life is all over the place between work and household. And, but I undoubtedly like you plan your meals, even if it's just when you're grocery shopping, you know, and I always make sure that fruits and vegetables are part of it. And you know what, like it is the most affordable way to feed a crowd too. And I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, 
you know, disagreements with that sentiment, but I truly believe that fruits and vegetables are the most delicious, nutritious, convenient, and affordable foods. That path to purchase like really isn't finished until it's in someone's mouth. And that is, that's our, that's where we feel our downstream effect is at the produce moms. You know, everyone in this industry is working so hard to get it on shelf at grocery retail or, or get it in the ads. Like our goal at the produce moms is to get it in the grocery baskets, but even the step further, like we want to get it on the table. That's why when we went through the B Corp process, we restated our mission as we want to get more fruits and vegetables on every table, you know, um, and because we believe when they're on the table, they will be enjoyed. Right. Yeah. And we had Wendy Reinhardt Capsack on last week. Yes. She was just on, on my show. Oh, great. Yeah. And she, she emphasized both, uh, the eating first and, uh, also, uh, you know, to that just because people are buying doesn't mean they're consuming. So it's great to have that reinforced with you. And maybe, maybe she stole it from you. I don't know. I'm not going to. Oh, I think that it's a, that's a, that's a sentiment I'm happy to share. You know, Uh. I'm joking. Wendy will forgive me for that. No, she's Uh, a good friend. Yeah. And of course they are really heavy into, and I think they're probably one of the primary instigators of September being National Fruits and Veggies Month. I'm not sure if that was their creation because yeah, it was. That was something okay. they put together. Initially, yeah. it was uh, Fruits and Vegetables More Matters Month, and right. now it's now it's uh, just Fruits and Veggies Month. Right. Um. So, and, what are the produce moms doing to celebrate? Well, I'm I'm personally an <laughs> ambassador with PBH um, right. for their Have a that. Plant movement. So, I'm one of the Have a Plant ambassadors. So, we always, you know. You we, celebrate yeah. every day of the year. So it's really, how can you yeah. ramp it up anymore for <laughs> September? I don't know, but they do have a great platform with a lot of recipes, but let's talk about the Produce Moms website. There are some yeah. fantastic recipes oh there. Gosh. Over 600 like... recipes I saw. I love the way you organize them too and give the filtering. You know, you can yeah. filter out by category or what the fruit or vegetable. Tell us well, a little I'm bit about that. I'm glad that you like that. I like it. Um, yeah. I think it, one it, of the things amazing. I love about it is, you know, you got something in the fridge and you're afraid you're going to waste it. We talked about, we buy too much. Oh, pop on that site, click, you know, whatever the vegetable or fruit is and yeah. find the recipes. So what are some of your favorite recipes, Lori, on your site? Uh, I, that's probably too hard of a question. It's like, no, which it's is not. your favorite you know, child? No, is that one I, of those I, I have, no, well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> Let's be real. Food is so cultural. Everyone has a favorite food, right? Yeah. And I certainly have a favorite recipe on the website. It is absolutely hands down the Caprizi pasta salad. I make Ooh, that like at least three times great. a month. It's the only recipe I make consistently wow. from the produce um, recently and it kind of, and it's funny, you're going to be like, Oh, Lori really likes her pasta salad. So we just, <laughs> um, we just published a recipe with one of our brand partners to celebrate rave apples. Um, and All it's right. a, it's a tortellini pasta salad with rave apples. I actually just made it on the morning show this morning. It is delicious. It's so good. Um, wow. so those are probably two of my like kind of go-tos if I'm well, the, the rave pasta is new, but I'm telling you, it's going to be in my rotation. Um, and then I would say there's what kind of sauces on that. It's tortellini with apples. Is it a white sauce? Alfredo or something? Yep. And it's, and it's just got a lemon vinaigrette. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Um, that's fantastic. And then I have, um, there's a couple different sweet potato recipes. I really like, there's a, there's a dish that we do. I'm all, I love the presentation of food. Like when people come to my house for dinner, 
so many people are like, oh my gosh, it's like the best restaurant in town is Lori's house. And I really make pretty simple food. A lot of times it's just like, you know, a lot of fresh food. The presentation is always on point. We did a recipe. I think it was for last year's holiday season and it was a spiral sweet potato bake. Um, and it's just beautiful on the plate. And I mean, I love sweet potatoes. I know that like the North Carolina crew here with me, they has to agree. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I love sweet yeah, potatoes and, um, especially like oven roasted and they're cut scallop style. Oh my gosh. And oh. so that is a great recipe. Very easy. It's a wonderful way to elevate your, like a traditional holiday dish and also put sweet potatoes on the table that aren't just loaded up with added sugar. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that dish, especially as we look ahead to, you know, colder weather. Yeah. Um, the and then there's, yeah, there's a celery salad I really like, but you know, we need to redo it. Cause I, I, it's a celery salad the celery parmesan cheese and it's got a vinaigrette and i really like it with a champagne vinaigrette and one of my teammates god love her i love her like i'm not mad at her i didn't (laughs) specify to use the champagne vinaigrette and so she used balsamic vinaigrette because like nine times out of ten that's the vinaigrette that we would use in a salad dressing but it just changes like the appearance you know you kind of when you put yeah because it's a monochromatic salad where it's like these beautiful slight bias cut green celery with the with um even using the the leaves and then it has parmesan cheese capers i mean it's really nice and and then when you add that balsamic dressing it adds this like weird brown tinge like it really needs to be a champagne vinaigrette so we'll get to updating that but I highly recommend it. I just encourage you to sub champagne vinaigrette um, <laughs> for the balsamic. Well, I, I, I guess more people would have balsamic vinaigrette on hand than yeah, champagne. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, a white wine vinaigrette works. Any white okay. wine vinaigrette works fine. But right. uh, yeah, you're right. More people would definitely. Um, <laughs> I've had I've bought champagne vinaigrette before, but not in a while. But I oh, always it's so have good balsamic on this celery and, salad. Yeah. yeah it sounds um, good. so those are my those would probably be like if I had to pick my favorites, that that was four different recipes. I really like those. I will tell you that my favorite section on the website, um, which we're spending a lot of time updating two sections right now. One is the produce directory. Like it's literally a catalog of produce. We're adding to it. We're backlogged right now because I haven't done my approvals. Sorry, team. I'm behind. I know I am, but um, <laughs> A to Z, we're trying to populate like yeah, a that's database a too, where yeah. people can just yeah. qu- like a quick reference, how to select store and serve all the different fruits and veggies. So I right. love that. We That's our produce directory. And then if you click on the categories of blogs, there's a blog category titled resources. And that's another category that I really love um, because that's getting into you know, like, how do I get my vegetables to last longer? And, and what is, you know, what does it mean to shop at a farmer's market? And, you know, things like that, where we, where we really are able to kind of provide that industry expertise, um, which is truly the differentiator between the produce moms and the literally millions of other websites out there where you can find recipe inspiration. Um, And so that investment in building out the resource catalog, um, that was something that I've been working, you know, I personally have been working very hard on because I'm like, we have to do more, um, on our homepage. If you, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's, there's a highlight of sections where it says, I think it's might actually even say resources, um, and articles. And those are like, we update that every week, three different options that you can look at. So please don't overlook those areas of the site because I think they're wonderful, wonderful tools. 
That's theproducemoms.com, correct? Yes. Yes, Theproducemoms.com. Listeners, check it out. You will be inspired and educated quite a bit. Well, uh, we could go on talking all day, but I imagine you've got other work to do. And I'm, I'm actually, I have a podcast interview for my show here in a few minutes. But, <laughs> okay, so we'll let you go. <laughs> Such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for taking the time and thank yeah. you for sharing what I thought was a pretty personal story. And, uh, you know, thank uh, you for allowing me to do it, so. It will I be inspiring to our listeners and in and, and more you. ways than just inspiring them to eat fresh fruits and vegetables. I can't wait to share some of what you told us with my daughters because I think they will good inspiration from that so thank you so much we wish you all the best happy national fruits and veggies month thank you same <laughs> to you all thank you so much for having me and best of luck as you continue to do what you're doing here at produce buzz and i look forward to supporting it and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning great. in this great show and you've got four amazing hosts here week after week so Make sure you like, subscribe, and share this show with your oh, with your friends, okay? Thank you. Thank you for that plug. <laughs> I, right. I always forget to say it on my show, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you. All Take right. Care. Everyone have a great day. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in to the Produce Buzzers podcast. Brought to you by Produce Buzz gathering place for lovers of fresh fruits and veggies. We hope you were entertained a bit and educated a lot about fresh produce. Be sure to join us next time and please tell your friends to do so as well. Like, share, and comment on our Produce Buzz Facebook page and check out our website at www.producebuzz.com. There you will find articles about fresh fruits and veggies how to select, store, and prepare them, as well as lots of interesting facts about all the wonderful bounty the earth provides for us. Until next time, be fruitful, and don't forget to veg out.